Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, February 8th, and uh, I I think it's football season, John. Don't know if you knew that. It started early. Actually, never started. It never stops, man. Football season. We have joined um, the SEC levels of football never sleeps. Oh, yeah. It's, We're it's, there, man. I am officially uh, drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm in the 24-7 football cult. Like, it's, You're not it's drinking happening. the Kool-Aid. You are helping mass produce it at this point. <laughs> you're in the, I, You're making the – you're helping churn the vat. Which I am on the assembly line, wearing the wearing the goggles, calling calling names out to to the other people working with me, and we are all pulling in the same direction. Uh, I think the shift manager is definitely um, Odell Bredham Bredham Jr. He's he's the he's the plant manager for sure. Um, if you don't follow, if you're not on Twitter, you're first of all congratulations to you. Yeah, you've made a great choice. If uh, you make your way onto there just to see the chaos um chief of propaganda for michigan state is is working overtime right now with with a band of others um so much so that i will say i won't name names but there are people very close to the program who have openly laughed and noted how how um what was the word they used um relentless i think msu twitter was it's like <laughs> i don't even know if that's a thing to be proud of but if you're gonna twitter twitter the hardest I yeah i think my favorite thing is that he sends good night tweets just about every night that says sleep fast spartan twitter <laughs> which i just appreciate so much well spartan twitter has uh, gone ablaze recently because as you mentioned football season doesn't sleep the reason we've been uh having a hard time sleeping is Mel Tucker is um, doing the thing in the recording, or excuse me, the recruiting world. Uh, it's not just the portal anymore, baby. Uh, nope. He does high school too, if you didn't know. In and, case you, yeah, in case you'd missed it. Uh, yeah, he sure does the high school now. Um, that sounded weird, but either way, he's in there, he's getting commits. Uh, since the last time we talked, actually three Three commits for Michigan State, hmm. uh, which is pretty wild. We have uh, our first defensive commit and then two uh, important positions on offense, quarterback and center. 
Um, let's start with the defense. So Michigan State landed uh, defensive end Andrew DePape. Might be saying that name wrong. Don't care. Or DePoppy. I kind of like DePoppy. We're going to go with DePoppy. Big, big Poppy. We want it to be something I don't think it is. But when has that stopped you or me from getting a last name wrong? Quite literally never. So Andrew Big DePoppy uh, is the number 133 recruit in the country. Mm. Uh, checks in as a solid four star on 24-7, using 24-7's uh, composite rating. Um, he is the 22nd best all-time commit also to Michigan State per 24-7, which is uh, kind of crazy. And I think I wanted to start with him because he is, in my estimation, a direct result of the hire of Brandon Jordan. Uh, the pass rush specialist coach that Michigan State brought on, and we talked about, I think, last week, maybe the week before. Um, this, quite simply, is not the type of defensive lineman MSU has gotten since that um, troubled class of 2016, where they had a handful of really athletic guys up front. Andrew DePapis, DePapi, excuse me, is, <laughs> is something unlike they've had really since since then uh he's his pro comp is max crosby who went to eastern michigan but is a really good defensive end for uh the raiders this kid he is a combination of the that that higher philosophy along with mel tucker's get big athletes philosophy he's like the perfect marriage of that he checks in at 6'5, 245 as a high school junior so just the potential of this kid is is pretty enormous and it's at that position that you know you could make an argument either uh, protecting the passer or getting to the passer are the two most important things you can do in football and this dude um is is very much in that second camp final thought john before i hand it over to you this kid is the number two recruit in the state of iowa like i know it's iowa but when you can steal a top two or three or five kid from any state that is in your conference, mm -hmm. that's a big that's a big deal. So they just went in, took one of the best kids right out from under the nose of Iowa. Iowa, who last year landed, I believe, uh, I believe he was from from there. Uh, I'm going to try and get this last name right. Uh, he was a five star kid, top twenty. Yep, kid was number one in the state of Iowa. Xavier Nwangpa, uh was the number one kid, four, high four star, committed to Iowa because that's his hometown team. That logic still applies to this this uh, kid, Big DePoppy, and yet Michigan State still went in and got him. So big, that's a the first of these three is a really quite enormous land. It's uh, pretty it, okay. So first of all, th this kid I believe was a client of uh, our new defensive line coach. Is that correct? Uh, Not sure. Well, someone who had willing a, to believe it at least attended some type of. Uh, work work workshop camp of our and and here's i want to talk about that for a couple of things one there are 16 kids that are on michigan state's offer board that are ranked higher than this kid on defensive end or a uh, defensive line alone and msu's not it has never offered at that at these types of kids before first first of all i mean rarely and when I say that, I mean, they may have, but not with any realistic thought of getting them. <laughs> like, you send the letter because, I don't know, you want to be featured on the Instagram, maybe. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but these guys, um, now granted, you're not going to get all of them. You may not even get a 
couple of them, but to be in consideration uh, for guys from California, Florida, uh, Alabama, Utah, Missouri, everywhere in the country, right? And and as you mentioned, this isn't to knock this kid who made a decision very early. I'm, I'm my point is this kid is one of the best recruits Michigan State's ever had. You already mentioned that. He is, as I mentioned, 17th in just defensive line prospects This for his class of who Michigan State is going after. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just trying to contextualize everything for everybody. And, and also, um, I, I want to I wanna, <laughs> I feel like today I'm also going to be honest. I'm feeling a little um, plucky. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be making. I'm taking shots and making jokes today. The LSU hired, uh, refused to hire, um, the our defensive line coach, our our defensive and rush specialist. They didn't want him in a coach position. And and I just need to ask LSU or anybody, are you high? Like. One, just for recruiting alone, but two, he's literally training and coaching, not just NFL all pros. You mentioned De- Big DePape's comp is is um, who was it? Um, Max Crosby. Max Crosby. Yeah, that's a client of his. Like it's, it's like he, he his clients are literally the best defensive linemen in the world. All of them. All of them. And, and for any college football coach to be like, mm, don't know if I want that guy on my staff. Are, I mean, in what world are you living in where you have a guy that knows what he's doing more so than that guy? Like, it boggles the mind. And everyone's like, and this isn't me putting down Mel Tucker in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's like, how was how Mel Tucker the only person to be like, uh, yeah, I think we can swing that. Like, what is everyone doing? How, how is it this easy? It's such a great question. Um, and, and yeah. Well, I, you know he's serious when he's he was tweeting. Uh, Brandon Jordan's also a good follow on Twitter. And if for nothing else, the flexes that he is able to pull out of, like, the clients that he works with. He's saying something about uh, he was he was like grading or like watching film from the Senior Bowl, which took place this past weekend. Sure. And he was saying something about, or it might have been the Pro Bowl, and he's no, I think it was Senior Bowl. And he's like, make sure you know as a defensive end, you get your inside foot around the tackle as you're like turning the corner because it gives them less time to catch up. And he's like sends off a couple of tweets, and he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna let one of the goats. Uh, Gerald McCoy, who I remember I butchered his name a few weeks ago, the guy who played for the Bucks for the longest time, top five pick, Oklahoma legend, yep. six-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he's like, I'll just let him explain. And he posted yeah. a 30-second clip of him coaching Gerald McCoy on the exact <laughs> technique that he's talking about. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's – like if I'm a 17-year-old kid or even a transfer that's like, uh, I really want to go to the NFL and learn from somebody yeah. who's worked with guys that go there – I don't know how you see that. And you're not like, I need to, at the very least, talk to these guys. And guess what? Like you said, I was going through like the top 150 and just saying guys that I've heard Michigan State's name and connection with. It's like 15 of the top 150 yeah. are visiting or are interested, including like two or three like big time five star kids, like program 
not that MSU's program needs to be transformed, but like guys that can take your level of talent from from very good to very great overnight. So it's just, I, the, like you said, it boggles the mind just how much of a difference he has made him and and uh, um, Tucker right off the bat. So, and then this is just one guy. We still have two other guys to talk about, which are both huge pickups. Right, right. And and I want to spend time on them, but I I just want to also give a shout out to this kid, Andrew DePape. Yeah. And say, first of all, welcome aboard. Second of all, what foresight to, oh, as a kid from Iowa to say, I could go, you know, jerk around with Kirk Ferenc or, or uh suit man, you know, or I might go, Hmm, maybe I'll go get coached specifically by a guy who, NFL all pros fly in private jets to go see like maybe that's a better idea than going and hanging out in Iowa city and getting screamed at and um, by by like being forced steroids or whatever they do there. (laughs) Maybe. maybe. I think think instead of steroids, you might mean corn. Well, no. Like what was the thing they did recently where they like so many people got sick because they like overworked them. Like they literally overworked their strength and conditioning coach to the point where people were like having like seizures and stuff. And it was like, Oh yeah, that was bad news. And then Urban Meyer tried to hire him. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, as Urban would tell you results, there were some Uh, results. (laughs) Like, yeah, but wait, but also really quickly, you said they get on the private jets and fly. Guess where they're flying to now? Mm -hmm. East Lansing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is what I'm saying back to making fun of LSU and not just who – and I make fun of them because they had him. Like yeah. at one point he was like a analyst or whatever they wanted to call him. And they refused to give him a head – or a coaching position, which is all he wanted. And and by the way, you got to think that this guy is doing fairly well, like financially. I don't want to, you know, pocket watch. But like if uh, – you know, the guys that he's training have some money. And, and like yeah. I just – I can't believe that LSU, who is a program that gets recruiting, right, w- would be like, mm, I don't know. Should this guy really be coaching our defensive line? Yeah, maybe he should because he's literally coaching the guys that are in the Pro Bowl. Like, I, I just think uh, to-, to macro it out, Austin, it- it's not going to happen immediately. I think you'll see an immediate impact. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but- you already have. You, well, you have. I mean, on the field, you, yeah, immediate yeah. impact. You will see an immediate impact. He will transform and change the way the defensive ends, the defensive line uh, plays. And then once you start to inject talent, a, a higher ceiling of talent like Andrew, that's going to change the way a four-two-five works. And we've talked oh, about four-two-fives, yeah. you know, shortcomings. One thing that solves not just the 425, but any defensive strategies, shortcomings, is the defensive end getting to the quarterback. That kind of solves it all. It's Jim, it's Jimmy's and Joe's. It's bottom line, especially in college football and especially along the lines. It's Jimmy's yeah. and Joe's versus X's and O's. We, like I've been doing, yeah. and I'll I'll come clean to everybody. I've been doing like this side project just going through John knows all about it, like the, the the different rosters throughout America, just to like see what the talent gap is 
from a true great, like in Alabama, Georgia, to even in Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And while Ohio, first, I'm, first of all, I will say Ohio State's roster is even more absurd than you. Like the gap between Ohio State and everybody else in the Big Ten is enormous. The fact mm-hmm. that Michigan State has had the success that they have had against uh, Ohio State in the past 10 years, whatever it is, uh, is nothing short of insane. Just insane. David and Goliath barely begins to touch on what Michigan State was able to do to Ohio State. The couple of times they beat him and went to the Rose Bowl and all those other big wins. And it's because it, you appreciate it more when you see the numbers. But um, the you see the difference in the real talent on the lines and in, in those teams in the SEC and those teams in the Big Ten. The difference is stark. It is incredible. I, I mean, the... Because, again, look at Georgia. Georgia's defense, the front seven, and their offensive line were so good that they had Stetson Bennett, a walk-on quarterback, a kid who who came to Georgia, then left, then came back again, and only started because kids transferred and got hurt, win them a national championship against Alabama because that's how good those parts of their team were. They embarrassed Michigan. Michigan, who is – by best a year, decent amount. The, best year they've had in in 25 years. They were probably, they were at a worst, the third most talented team in the Big Ten. By a de- decent chunk, by the way. After that, it's pretty much Wisconsin and Michigan State. And it's a it's a sizable gap between the two as of today. Um, just in sheer recruiting talent. But they embarrassed them. And they yeah. would do it again, probably worse in the coming years. Uh, because it's just talent. So Brandon Jordan, yes. T- I mean, coaching can overcome a lot of things, but talent at the end of the day is what's going to win out. And he is going to bring that and coaching to East Lansing. And DePoppy De is a is a great start. Uh, to, I mean, man, this is yeah. So John, these other two guys, we want to talk about them because I think you spent so much time. But it's a big get. Anytime you can land a guy who's one of the top twenty five kids you've ever landed, it's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, there were two more gets, though, uh, and they are uh, important positions on the field, like I said, at center and quarterback. Um, we'll start with the center, Jonathan Slack from Martin Luther King School in Detroit. Uh, high three-star, actually percentage points away from being a four-star, top 400 kid in the country. Um, I think it's a great get. Uh, he would be one of the more higher-rated offensive linemen that Michigan State has on its roster. Uh, he's coming in at a prime position in center. He's from Detroit, which is a you know a city that obviously Michigan State has got some major momentum in, and you want to win um, all of those things. And then also his quarterback just so happens to be uh, in this class and is a five star uh, by the name of Dante Moore. He is not the quarterback that committed to Michigan State. We'll talk more about that in a second, but he is a teammate of Slacks and um, has been to Michigan State several times, and is apparently a very big fan of the program. So. Uh, not only is Slack in and of himself a great get for MSU, but what it could do for Michigan State in the city of Detroit and specifically with this King team is not a small part of the storyline. It's right. You know, so, Austin, first of all, Detroit Martin Luther King churns out prospects. You, you want to own that. Every year. You want to own that high school. First of whether Dante Moore is there or not at quarterback, that's a good get. Let's just, start, let's just start there. The fact that he is the guy handing the ball, <laughs> snapping the ball to a five-star quarterback, which, by the way, in Michigan, it's a decent football state. It's 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 okay. 
it's good, maybe good in yeah. the sense of the word. Not you know we hate it's that. Fine. We hate that word, but five star quarterbacks don't happen a lot. Let's just put it in Michigan, right? Is that fair? Not a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. This guy is. It doesn't hurt to have a guy committed that uh, hangs out with that guy every day <laughs> in very close quarters. So that's good. Um, and then the other piece about the center position is one that, you know, at, at Michigan State, you know, you've, you've had the Allen brothers, you've had um, the offensive line in general is somewhere that it's not a, it's not a secret. It's got to get better. It, it, yeah. Like it has to get better if Michigan State wants to take a jump from um, having cute, fun uh, seasons like we had this year. And, and, and this is going to sound awful, but I'm feeling plucky. 11 win seasons where you win New Year's Six Bowl games should be celebrated and are awesome and they're fantastic and they're huge for a program. They're also fun, but they're not big boy. Big boy is college football playoff. And Mel Tucker has set that expectation. Does it mean we're there yet? No. But you need an offensive line, as we've seen every college football playoff participant has a needs to have a good offensive line to even compete. And because you see the mutants that are on the defensive line of <laughs> all the teams and it's out of control. And so, you know, that's that is like consistently going to be the place a place of emphasis as we watch the recruiting cycle as the offensive line. And this is a good start. It can't be the only thing. It's got to be, you know, guys at this caliber and maybe even higher moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, you absolutely, you're absolutely spot on. Um, It's a great get for a lot of different reasons. The ones you laid out, I mean, you pretty, pretty said it pretty well. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is especially where, I mean, listen, I think the genius of what Mel Tucker has done so far with recruiting offensive linemen specifically is that he is looking for prototypes and trusting his coaching because he knows that if you are going to go elephant hunting on that position group, you better have, you better have something to show for yourself and you better better be ready to go because that is the position group that doesn't, that, that one doesn't settle like a, a great offensive lineman, a huge body like that, that's the top 100 kid. Those kids don't go to Northwestern. Those kids don't go to Kansas state. Those kids don't go to Cal. Those kids go to Alabama and Georgia and Ohio state and Clemson, actually not really Clemson, but uh, LSU. (laughs) So if you want to swim in those waters, you got to be ready to roll. And I think what he's done so far is said, I'm not ready to do that for those positions yet. I think that could be changing here very shortly. He may have tried with Keontae Goodwin last year, but um, he he's gotten big body types that when they're coached up could turn into that caliber of player. I mean, these are like the guys he got last year, the Braden Millers, um, Gavin Brocious, Ashton Lepo. These are guys that are mid to high three-star dudes. It's not, national caliber level in and of itself, but with a great coach like Chris Kapilovic, you know, you hope that he can you know, crank that up a little bit. So to your point, he's, I just think he's laid a really good foundation for that, but it needs to improve like that recruiting is what needs. That's what's going to make you a national championship contender. And that's what the goal should be, right? Like that yeah. you should be trying to compete for the, for the, otherwise yeah. what's the point, right? What are like, we doing? 
yeah, it should be trying to win a national championship every single year. Uh, and it's insane to just like say those things out loud, but it's, it's also, I don't care. Dude, it's but, but like that's just the attitude adjustment as a program that I think yeah. Mel Tucker brought. Whether it's insane or not is a different subject. But let's have a talk about that because you know this could be a long podcast, but I don't care. There is a a there isn't been an attitude adjustment. People are saying you know Mel Tucker brought brought and 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 he was the exact right guy for that attitude adjustment. But I want to clarify something really quick. MSU, well you know as a fan base ran Mark D'Antonio. They ran him. Yeah. Because he was not no longer competing at a level that was good enough for Michigan State fans. Take that however you want. It's not a, that's not a knock. That's not anything. That's just there is an expectation at this program, whether it's deserved, undeserved, doesn't matter. And back to our original point, if you're not going for the nat what's the point we're not yep. Maryland. we're not iowa state you don't you don't play football to beat your rival and say that was fun what a fun year like what's the point why invest so much time and energy unless the goal is the whole thing and hey john as as the 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 great herm edwards would say you play to win the game and not win just the game Win it all. Like compete, care enough to compete at the highest level. Otherwise, we're just we're we're wasting Saturdays. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I have plenty of other things I can be doing with my life. And and frankly, up until now, I've been wasting because Michigan State was not competing at that level. Even Mark D'Antonio's best years. I mean, I'm feeling plucky. But they're, they're, they, they're fine. It was great. You saw the ceiling of it, though, right? And the moment you watch, you know, Michigan fans and trolls start to compare their run to D'Antonio's is the reason that they'll never succeed. Because you're, if, you're, if you're comparing yourself to what Mark D'Antonio did, you already lost. Yep. You're, you're lost. Because he took and created a culture – that one with a group of people that probably belonged in the American conference, the big 10 with it. And that's incredible. That, that is like yeah. legend. I, I will say the first, cause I completely agree with your point here. I think the further you get away from Mark, from Mark D'Antonio, the, the more impressed I actually am becoming. Yeah. When you really look at what he accomplished, I don't think people should uh, – I, I think it's actually become sort of popular to make him like a little bit of a punching bag because of the <laughs> way he went out and just – yeah. and listen, he did not go out on, on good terms. I, I would make no mistake about it. Like I, a lot of people felt as though he was just kind of mailing it in uh, afterwards uh, for a while there. And – I don't necessarily agree with that, uh, but I mean, the juice was gone. I mean, like it, it just, it just was like, there's really no, you know, there's no arguing it. And what you've seen come back now is just an incredible manifestation of all other things. Michigan state fans, like we're at a point where we're kind of over indexing on what any MSU fan would ever really allow you to feel like was possible you know what i mean like 
we're talking about national championships and, and do we want to like beat our chest and say, Oh, we made the Rose bowl. Oh, we made the, you know, cotton ball. We won the big Ten. We beat Ohio state, all that stuff. Yeah. But you know, if you want to shoot higher, you gotta, you gotta talk the talk and walk the walk. And I just feel like, you know, I don't, Mark D'Antonio did so much. He got so much, uh, you know, blood out of that rock. But uh, if you actually want to be that, then you need a guy like Mel Tucker to come in and do do things like he's doing. And guess what? He needs to do even better. <laughs> like yeah. that's the thing is like he's doing an incredible yeah. job, all things considered. Like this is a top five class right now in the country with only five recruits. The, all the 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 teams in front of them, if I remember correctly, are I believe it's Notre Dame. Yeah, Georgia's number one, Notre Dame two, Penn State three, uh, Arkansas four. MSU has jumped up to five tonight with the commitment of Bo Edmondson, the quarterback who we'll talk about, uh, and they only have five recruits. Arkansas has eight, Penn State has eight, Notre Dame has eight, Georgia has nine. Like, that's hard to do. That means you've got five really high-quality recruits, and, and, and this is the year, too. It's actually really interesting. I was reading an article, Andy Staples wrote a great article about um, Brian Harson's situation in Auburn. He's kind of, like, cutting through some of the BS <laughs> and saying that – did you read it? Dude, we talked. Yeah, dude, we talked about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's. It was just incredible. He's like, they're firing him because he's a bad recruiter. They're not firing him for any other reason. He's like, don't, don't kid yourself. And what? But it was just. It was more than that. It was an interesting exercise in what it takes to win and what you need to do to be great. And that this class, the class that Mel Tucker is building right now, the one after your first full recruiting cycle, is essentially the entire tale of the tape for who you are as a recruiter for like any successful coach. It's, it's, it was really amazing. The consistency with which this was true. And we're talking national champions. We're talking guys who flamed out. Like it, it, it is pretty much shot for shot, the truth. And that's what I think excites me so much about this is that you're seeing some big time muscle flexing going on right now from Tucker. And if this is the indicator of how things are going to go, if you can keep this class in that top 10 to 12 conversation, and then you stack those two, three on top of each other, because you're not in the SEC having to play four of the other teams in the top 10 every single year, you're going to put yourself in the conversation sooner rather than later for making that playoff with some real consistency. And, you know, depending on where the roster strengths shake out, you could it's not unfathomable to think that MSU is in this conversation sooner rather than later. And by sooner, I mean the next, you know, not this year, but, you know, two, three years down the line, if they keep doing what they're doing now, it's, it's, it's not out of the question. And let, let's clarify, Mark D'Antonio walked so this program could run. Yes. What he had to do what he did for, for Mel Tucker to be able to come in and do what he's doing. So don't get that. I don't, I don't want anyone to be upset. No. You know, you know, it is appreciated. He took this team and made this program what it is and, and will be forever thankful. But it can't be lost that this, this same group of fans ran him because they wanted more. And yeah. is Mel Tucker the guy that can give them more? It's looking like he, he has the goods. Long way to go. Long way to go. Victim of his own success. That's that's yeah. Mark D'Antonio. But guess, I mean, to your point, like, dude, I love him like he's a family member. That guy he gave me some of the best moments of my sporting 
life. And just right. again, just to quickly highlight it before we talk about Bo Edmondson, the classes he's throwing together in 2008, he had the 10th best class in the Big Ten. 2009, uh, excuse me, 2008, he had the ninth best class in the Big Ten. 2009, he jumped up to the fourth best class. And, that, and then we had 2010. He's again the fourth best class, and that's with landing a guy like Will Golston, who was a five star. So just like he was batting in that like twenties range for most of the time in terms of national rank, that's going to keep you relevant. That's going to build up a really nice program and with some great coaching, you can do some really really fun things. But if you want to win a national championship, if you want to compete for the Big Ten title every single year, you need more than that, and you need great coaching. It's really hard yeah. to do, but I think Mel well, can do it. Well, and Austin here, I'll tell you just really quickly. D'Antonio averaged 34.7th best class in 24-7 composite. Yeah. 35th best class in his time at MSU. And he took – he no program can touch to what D'Antonio did with the talent he had. It's, oh, it's no. Close. He, he was able to do things that other coaches just simply couldn't do, find talent that wasn't there. And he and he did it with guys that no one took a pass or would give it a shot at. And, and you know, th- that is worth something. And now the culture he built, you can use that shell, you know, what he did in that attitude. And now you just put in more talent and you can see, and then the ceiling's the roof, as we said, right? Yeah. You know what it is? It kind of reminds me of, like, if you remember what Jimbo Fisher did when he took over for Bobby Bowden at Florida uh State. Sure. Like, you know, that's dating me a little bit, but, but. D'Antonio, you know, Bobby Bowden kind of left on like a Florida State was like the power, power, power. They were a unit for 20 years of him being there. And then, you know, he kind of got older and just didn't have the energy he once had. Jimbo Fisher gets in charge and just turns that thing back into, you know, just turbo mode. And then they win a national championship and you've just seen the difference that it's it's made. So. um, All right. So we've spent a half hour talking about that. Let's talk about Bo Edmondson. Really, she can state. Go ahead. No, really quick. Yeah, we don't have to go quickly, but I think the point about Bo is, is you just Mel Tucker and staff just took a Lake Travis, Texas kid. Which, if you're unfamiliar with high school football, it is one. It is a powerhouse. Six A, the highest level, and in, in Texas football, um, quarterback. And this kid. Here's why it's special. They took him. He took MSU both ways, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 it's this early in the recruiting cycle. That's perfect time to take someone like this because we talked about Dante Moore earlier. He, he's the guy that I think MSU is is focusing on, just like a lot of major schools are. Bo Edmondson's not stupid. He knows that. He also wants to be the guy, and um, he's claiming his spot at Michigan State. Over a lot of really good schools, by the way, if you look at his offer list. And who's to say if he sticks around? But that's why this is such a good pickup. Because Yeah, I agree. If this I mean, is listen, you, B, you went into Texas and took a high three-star quarterback out of there. And in 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 the high three-star quarterback out of Texas, same way we talk about Georgia three stars, not any different in Texas. That's uh-huh. a that's a that's a nice get. Uh-huh. Um and like you said, this is this is not an either or situation with him and uh, oh my God, Dante Moore. Sorry, um, 
Michigan State could easily take both of them. And to your point, they chose each other. Like the fact that he was able to commit says how much Michigan State likes him, to be honest with you. Like he could have called them. This happens all the time. They call the, co- the coaches and say, I want to commit. The coach says, we're not ready to take that yet. It happens, whether people know it or not. So the fact that MSU and Jay Johnson were into it enough to take him is uh, a very big, big deal. And again, it, for him, it's smart because he locks in a place at a great university. Uh, he you know, puts himself in position to come to the Big Ten and compete and make sure he doesn't get left sitting at the dinner table. Um, and also, like, as listen, I'm not saying that. OK, if you go back historically, MSU's the quarterback that succeeds from Michigan State is like never the guy you think it's going to be. Peyton Thorne, perfect example. Connor yeah. Cook, perfect example. Um, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, exactly. So to rule anything out with Bo Edmondson today, the day he committed, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But um, again, it's not to say that they won't take more. I, I, I think this could be a two-quarterback approach. But worst case, Bo Edmondson is now committed to a great recruiting class. Guess what? If he wants to open his recruiting back up, he's going to have Tons of teams knocking down his door. Tons of them. So either way, smart move for both. I watched a little bit of his take. He's got a really smooth motion. He honestly kind of reminds me of Connor Cook a little bit. Um, and listen, anytime you can get a quarterback from from Texas that's playing high quality football uh, for for that long, that's that's pretty exciting. I thought another cool thing was that he said he was really excited to play for Jay Johnson. Like he specifically called out that he was excited yeah. to play for that coach. And I think that again says says quite a bit. Also, this guy is in. If you so choose to go find some tape, he's playing in front of more people than Mac schools do. <laughs> and like, I was—I don't mean that. Like, that is legitimate. When, oh like, yeah. If you're a high school kid and you are you are regularly playing football in front of more than ten thousand people, that's wild to me. Like, I can't get my head around that. That's more than Eastern Michigan averages. Like, that yeah. is. So he's never going to be afraid. I'll tell you that much. So, and, and then one more thing, Austin, one more guy we didn't talk about. Um, Mel picks up another portal commit. Our biggest, Go on. You, you, you forget, we, we had someone defect to the portal, but Mel went and got him back. And Okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> I think we got a good one here, don't you? Yeah, my guy Ote Ote. Um, <laughs> Pretty, pretty, pretty cool that uh, Mel can just lose a guy and then go pick him right back up, uh, right out of the portal. But yeah, awesome for for Michigan State, obviously, that um, I decided, you know, I don't want to spin the wheel of the transfer portal, but I'd rather uh, stay and build something here. I can't blame him for getting spooked by these guys coming in and being like, hey, where's my playing time? But I think it's pretty awesome that he, you know, decided now I'm going to come back and I'm going to stick it out. I, I do wonder, and this is pure, pure speculation, nothing more. Um, if this might, he might know that somebody else is thinking about moving around or not coming back or like what might be happening. There's some guys, you know, down the roster a little bit that I know there've been questions about. So you, you do wonder if, if that's the case and maybe he saw that the spot open back up, but um, either way, I mean, this kid was the best recruit in last year's class. He's like one of the three highest graded, if not the highest graded, I think, actually player on the entire roster, technically. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to lose guys like that. Um, Michigan State didn't want him to leave. They didn't push him into the portal. 
like they have no. some other guys. So pretty great for that Wait, he came back. Last thing I'll say is we, before we take a commercial, which who knows if it happened. Last last player to hit the portal and come back, Connor Hayward. It worked mm. out. Worked we out. all saw how that worked out. Connor, by just, yeah, quick shout-out, last football thing. Looked great in the senior bowl. He did. People are actually – People are actually talking about him. Uh huh. Pretty pumped. Just like we talked about. Yeah. Pretty pumped. All right. Let's take a commercial break. Let's see if this even works. Here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Back. John, I regret to inform you we have to talk about basketball. So you say that, but I think it's time, if you're ready and comfortable, to come clean. <sighs> if I must. Heart. You've had a change of heart, if I'm not mistaken. No, I don't know if it's really a change of heart or if it's just – I. this is just getting so difficult. Like, I <laughs> – I, I want this, I want this to work. I really want it to work. I love basketball. It's been my favorite son for most of my life. But wait, wait, Austin. What's what's the wait? Wait, go ahead. I want I want our listeners to put themselves in the mindset of being broken up with. And now I I want to go. It's not you, it's me, but it's actually definitely you. Uh, I just don't know how many more, like what, what's the saying? Like the definition of insanity is like continuing to do things when you know the outcome or something like that. Like that's what this feels like. Like I, I have such a hard time. Like I am de- definitively more interested in the transfer portal and football off season right now than I am this basketball season in this moment. And I think maybe it's just because it's February. Like, I just want to tell myself that that's the case because this happens every single year. Like we've been doing this for what, four or five years. You probably find at least 10 episodes where we're saying the same thing every single season. And it's, I just don't know how much I can like give to this team when I know that if I tune back in, in a few months or a few weeks or whatever, things will hopefully have, have righted themselves. But like right now, there's just too much juice coming from the football side of things for me to give myself to this basketball team the way that I want to. I think that's the important part to really know here is I want to, like badly. I badly want to be living and dying with every basket like we did with Cassius's teams and like we've done with so many others. But I just have such a hard time. But I, the one thing that we were talking about, John, is that like – it's not like th- this is so not new. And I remember feeling this way with that Cassius Winston team that ended up beating Duke and going to the you know final four and all of that, that storybook run. There were so many times during that season where I was like, I 
cannot stand watching this team play basketball. Like it was, and that's that, like, I don't, I think this is what worries me. I had very real emotional reactions to that team. I'm not having any right now. I'm just, that's why I think I'm just like, I'm just not like here at the moment. I'm just kind of checked out. Like who knows what the room could be on fire. I don't know. You'd have to tell me because I'm not paying enough attention. I'm watching the games. I want to be very clear about that. I'm watching these games, but the, my, my, my physical reaction is just so like, like I remember watching this Rutgers game and I was just like, oh, all right, this sucks. I should be madder than that. Sure. I, I'm happy you can exercise your demons here. And I want the listeners to know that I'm still all in, baby. I, <laughs> I love this kid. I don't care if this kid you know, isn't his best because we know this kid can turn it on. And, and the reason, Austin, you are frustrated with this kid is, is like we talked about and before we started. He comes home with a D plus and you ask him what happened. He says he just he just wasn't really tuned. He just wasn't focused. It's like, why? It's like, or, no, didn't feel he like forgot. It. He forgot there was a test. That's what happened. He came well, home and you're like, yeah. why'd you get a D? He's like, well, I forgot to study. Why'd you forget to study? I just wasn't really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, it, and the worst part is, is you know that when push comes to shove, he's going to turn it on. And that's what bothers you. It's right. because he's waiting to turn it on. And it's like, don't wait. Just do it all the time. And You know, I think one thing I want to touch on is we have an incredible revisionist history as Michigan State fans, period. And I want to just remind a lot of people of some things because I know everyone's very down on this team in particular, which is fine. Do whatever you want to do. But one, the only colors, uh, Paul Fanson wrote a really, really nice analytical article about what we call what he calls the Bermuda Triangle or the February dip, which has happened (laughs) 20 years in a row. So if you feel like this has happened a lot, it's not necessarily by design, but it's because Tom Izzo coaches teams a certain way. And he goes into great detail uh, year over year how that works. That cash, we we wax poetically about certain teams, about they didn't do this or they were like this. And, you know, for for what it's worth, (laughs) the the Cassius Winston Xavier Tillman team of 2020 that everyone was absolutely convinced you know, we'll go to their graves saying would have won the Natty that year. They were, they were 22 and nine. <laughs> if you forget, they were 22 and nine. They, they, they lost four of five between February 1st and February 15th. They lost four of five. Yeah. They, have, they had Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman, Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, Malik Hall. I mean, they had, bang, they had, uh, they had everyone. And so, it's not to say that like anyone's wrong. I'm just pointing out that this happens and and it's just how Michigan State movies work. Now, you hope there's no guarantee it's going to spring into, you know, six straight wins. I'm just reminding you that the lull that you're seeing is not new and you may remember that, but just don't forget <laughs> when we wax so poetically about our best teams, like they did it too. So, um that that's a great long segue into you know the fact that i tried to remind everyone everyone is so mad that michigan state blew a 15 point lead at maryland but they won 65 63 but you would not have known that they had won 
on the road against a very proud program. Maryland, we've talked about it. While mid, a very proud program. And, sure. and Malik Hall wins the game uh, on, a, on a near last second take to the basket, which big onions. Everyone's asking, you know, who's the guy? Well, there you go. Found a guy. And the other thing that he did that I think that everyone overlooked is he hit some very big crunch time free throws with under two mm-hmm. minutes to go right after the game where he missed free throws that would have uh, either, you know, tied the game and put it to overtime. So that's huge, huge. And so everyone is very upset about a win at Maryland, which boggled my mind. But hey, I put myself in a different mind state than others during uh, basketball games and it's all legal. Like weed is weed is legal, so like chill. But people forget. People forget in Illinois, it's fine. And Michigan. So I'm just saying, like, the lull may have happened, but you know what the takeaway for me is MSU is is living the lull right now, but they actually won one of the games they usually lose. Like the Maryland loss, the Maryland game is usually a loss. But yeah, they won. And so, like, you can, you should just, like, be happy with that. Now, we won't spend a ton of time on that game because, you know, the next game is the one we want to focus on and the, the upcoming ones. They did turn around and go and lose at Butker's by 20. Yeah, and that's not – okay. It's like the opposite of the Dumb and Dumber thing where it's like you totally redeemed yourself. It's mm-hmm. just that in the complete reverse. And, like – yeah, it's like it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Rutgers, I think, shot like sixty something percent from three, and they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. Right. You know, uh, it was just a, a everything. It's one of those where everything comes together. The world um, plans and plots against you, and it you know shows up in on the floor like that. You know. I, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape, but it's games like that where I'm just like, well, you know, okay. Like we, th- that's why I'm not like over the moon, you know, freaking out about anything. Don't, there's too much, too many good things to put your energy towards than MSU losing early, early February games happens every year. And like, yeah, it's never great to lose at Rutgers, but, Again, I go look at this article. Go do whatever your own research. Go look. MSU hits a lull. It's just how it works. And the reason you are going to sustain through this lull and get mad, I was mad. Ah, I'm so mad. It makes it the reason you have to get this mad to have it feel so good in a month from now. Okay? That's how it works. You don't get to not get pissy. Because it, it, you do that so that March feels great. So first things first, I'm going to say one good thing. Uh, in a 20-point loss at Rutgers, it's hard. MSU took a huge punch in the first half. Rutgers shot 62% going into halftime. And MSU is down two. Now, MS, Rutgers continued that incredible shot streak and, and shot 62% for the entire game. It was the worst defensive game for Michigan State since they actually they won the, the last game. It was so bad against Gonzaga. But, hey, never good. But I also, unless 
something terribly drastic happen, I don't see teams like I don't see Michigan State's defense being that bad all the time. Like they're not a bad defensive team. They are. They're not good, but they're not bad. Like teams aren't going to shoot over 50 percent often. So I'm not that bad. The other thing is we learned a really hard truth. Tyson Walker can't handle road environments. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing. People forget this guy played in like the Colonial League last year. And, I'm, you know, what? How many people went to Northeastern games, right? Like, it's a big jump. It is. Go- it is. You don't, you cannot simulate that. And the thing that like really, really, <laughs> the only thing that made me mad in the entire game, honestly, Austin, is that Tom Izzo played Walker with two fouls. And it probably took 20 years and infinite amounts of Kevin Pauga data to like explain to him that it's okay to play people with two fouls in the first half. And in 30 seconds, Walker just ruined it. By going and getting his stupid foul and getting his third foul. And like we'll never and now we're gonna go back to auto bench after two fouls, and then I'm just like yep. slamming my head against the I, I'm gonna I'm gonna censor myself because I'm already upset about a thing that hasn't happened yet. But like you know <laughs> it's coming, and it's like, no, just because a kid was really dumb doesn't mean that you shouldn't not play guys with two got two fouls and it's over. It took 20 years to convince him and he did it and it's ruined. And I am mad online. See, I think here's the, there, here's the problem. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like it's fine. It, yeah, I agree. It sucks to have progress just ripped away from you like that. But, but yeah, I mean, you might be right. You might be right about, uh, Tyson, though, I mean, he does not seem to handle these road environments very well. Uh, And that's probably not going to be great come the NCAA tournament. There's there's no tournament. There's no fans. Like, like, Mm. I mean, at at best, it's going to be or excuse me, at worst, it's going to be 50 50 with the way MSU travels. Yeah, probably true. I'm not I'm not worried about it. The only thing that I'll ever be worried about is when MSU plays the first half of a double when you're the uh, higher seed. Yes. Say that, and you know where I'm going with that, but if you're a listener, you're not quite understanding what I'm saying. Let's say MSU's a four seed, and they're the first game, and you're 4-13. All the 5-12 fans are going to get there probably around halftime. Of course you're going to root for that 13 seed, because you want to play the 13 if you win. That's the only time where it gets a little, you know, rowdy against the the high seed you always want to be the second game for what it's worth but beyond that like i'm not too worried about it because it's like okay he's gonna go get shook at like what four more games and then we're done with it so like whatever Mm -hmm. i I gotta say one other thing that we pointed out last week that is uh, it's actually just turned into probably my biggest concern is that Max, as Max Christie goes, so mm-hmm. goes this team. It's it's it's, it's a so obvious. It, no, it's it's it is the through line for the, all of the success that MSU has had. Uh, I mean, in this, 
against Maryland, you know, yeah, like you said, MSU won. He went 0 of 3 from deep, scored seven points in 32 minutes. Last This last game on Saturday, he plays 30 minutes, goes 2 of 8 from deep, 2 of 10 from the field, and only has six points. If he's not hitting shots, MSU doesn't have, aside from Gabe Brown, anyone that's going to be good from deep. I mean, neither of their point guards are really willing to shoot very much. Uh, Malik, no one off the bench. I mean, Aikens will shoot a little bit. Malik's not a Malik's a fine three-point shooter, but that's not where he's at his best. No, it's true. Um, yep. So I, I think that's, to me, he is now the harbinger of good news or bad news for basically the offense for, for Michigan State. I think the more troubling thing out of this one is, yes, Rutgers shot the ball really well. Like they went nine of twenty from deep. Like it's not, you know, I know That's they good. shot really. Well. The, it's good. good. It's good, but it's not. It's not the three point shooting that concerns me as much. If they went that, they shot forty five percent from the field too. Or no, excuse me, that was Michigan State. Yeah, they shot sixty one percent from the field and forty five percent from three. I'm not as worried about the three point shooting in no, this one. We're Teams are going to go nine of twenty. Teams are not going to go twenty three of thirty two from within the three-point line. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that, I mean, yes, that's good shooting on their part, but it's also like, where's the defense? Like, that's uh, what makes me nervous. They, they hit good shots. They hit they hit bad shots. And here's the other thing. The scout on, on Dean Reber is, let him do whatever he yeah. can. <laughs> because he's yeah, terrible. five of six. <laughs> and he did, and he had 12 points. And you're like, you know what? We weren't going to win this one. That's yeah, MSU got out, reba- out got re- out rebounded by a lot too, that's which is never problem. encouraging. That's what that, scares me. That's the only problem. And you know what? I have a I have a head coach that cares about one thing. That. Yeah. Literally that. He he calls up Mel Tucker. He's gonna make Keon and Malik Carr not want to play basketball anymore. Yeah. Because he's gonna bust out the the football pads and have a harder practice than they had on the football field. Like, like, let's be honest, like he he cares about one thing and he's spent the last five days talking about rebounding. So what better game to have mm-hmm. than against a Wisconsin team that, you know, is going to play the pace you want to play, you know, is not going to try and turn you over because that's where we struggle. So I miss you will not turn the ball, ball over at a high rate because simply Wisconsin doesn't want to even force it. It's going to be a war, and it's going to be a home game. And Wisconsin is 18-4, and 9-3, and Tyler Wall is going to play this game. He wasn't in the last game. And honestly, you would have thought that this guy was Kobe Bryant on the last broadcast with the way they talked about how he wasn't playing. And it's like, okay, he's fine. Like, he's, he's, he's mid-plus, but, like, let's calm down that this guy's a different. Now, he's going to make it a more difficult game. But Johnny Davis still has to produce, and he hasn't proven in his one game against MSU that he can do that. You know, Max Christie is going to play defense against him. A.J. Hogarth is going to hit his shot. And Johnny Davis's game is predicated on um, the mid-range and just being able to elevate higher than you and shoot. He struggled with that against Max, and that's not going to change. So uh, you're going to lean really hard on the Izzo in this game, but there's a reason Michigan State's favored. Johnny Davis has been in a big time funk offensively mm-hmm. since Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, his last four games, he's gone five of twelve from the field, seven of fourteen, which is fine. 
five of 19 against Illinois and two of 13 against Penn state. He's made one three pointer since he played against MSU one singular. Now he's crushed the rebounding. He's had like 48 rebounds or something crazy like that. Um, and he's still getting to the line. He got to the line quite a bit against Illinois. Didn't get to the line at all against Penn state. So, you know, again, you say max teams go as max Christie goes. I mean, Johnny Davis is that on, on overdrive steroids. So, um, yeah, again, I think Wisconsin's a good, not great team. Uh, I think this is a game Michigan State on paper should should win because um, Wisconsin doesn't really try to rebound with you either. They really just kind of sprint and get back and try to play defense. Um, I mean, they scored 51 points against bad Penn State team their last time out. Uh, and you have to wonder with Johnny Davis specifically if he's starting to get tired. I mean, this guy hasn't played less than 30 minutes since November. Yep. Like, so, you know, cause he doesn't get in foul trouble either. So you got to wonder if his legs are starting to go and if his legs start to go, man, I they talk about crazy shooting performances. I don't know if Brad Davidson's going to come out and hit six threes again. He's there. Uh, he's the only reason they were in the game. Only reason, only reason. So, you know, this is another great opportunity for a get right game for Michigan state. They seem to be doing this yo-yo thing through the middle of the year. Um, Dude, they be, and honestly, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If these losses were to just like even mid middle middle of the road teams and not a bad Northwestern team, a bad Rutgers, man, Rutgers is fine, but a bad Rutgers team, and then Illinois without its two best players, like if it's not those teams, then I think everybody kind of takes this a little more in stride. But it's just not not great to lose those games to those teams. Well, I'm, but this is a great opportunity to add to the resume. But also, everyone needs to take a breath and realize that this is the same team minus a few players that barely made the tournament last year. Mm-hmm. Sure. So like relax with the expectations a bit and also like embrace the fact that you're jockeying for seed position. Whereas last year at this time we were like streaks over, man. Yeah. So we it even done an IT bid, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. For what it's worth, here are the last three games for Wisconsin. Four games. Five games. Lost to us. Beat Nebraska by eight. Beat Minnesota's five-player team, five player team by six. Lost at Illinois by double digits. Beat Penn State 51-49. to A game that was at halftime, Austin, 18-13. to they should have just they should have just nuked the building and just said we're done. Yeah, just take it out. Maybe in the sport. Maybe we don't play basketball anymore. I think they should just roll dice against each other. So the point is, is like, you know, everyone's like, oh, the sky is falling. Michigan State. Well, here's the deal. If you and for what it's worth, Wisconsin is 18 and four. Like you have a huge opportunity on your hands against a team that at the end of the day has Johnny Davis. Brad Davison and Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell as maybe the only net neutral plus team guys on the team. We have seven plus guys or neutral guys. So just use the Izone, grind it out, be the better team, and then you move on and play a broke ass Indiana group. Yeah, I have a question for you about Indiana. Do you think anybody regrets their college choice as much as Trace Jackson Davis? 
Like, what a bummer, dude. Like, you could have gone he came back. I truly like, can't believe he, I can't believe he came back. I can't believe he went there in the first place. Like, and uh, it's just a bad idea. It's just like this. It must be such a bummer. Um, but I mean, he's he's a really good player. But I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't think this was this Indiana team is anything special. Now that I'm going to say that, and they're going to just beat the brakes off Michigan State because they sure. always give us a hard time. But they're just you know. Awesome. If nothing else, they're at least like kind of like eight or nine deep at this point. They like actually play players. I feel like historically they've been like a three-player team, and that's it. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, great player, eighteen points, eight and a half rebounds a game. He averages almost three blocks a game. Doesn't do anything outside of the paint, but is a really dynamic athlete, both defensively and offensively. Um, Going to need a big game from Bingham in this one. Not, I do not think this is a Julius Marvel game. And I swear to God, if I see Joey Hauser guarding Trace Jackson Davis, that's I'll just turn the TV off. Um, but the other guy that really makes me nervous is Race Thompson. I feel like Race Thompson, every without fail, gives Michigan State a hard time every single game. Again, guys, he's tough, man. He's just like sort of that weird Kenny Goins-ish, but way more athletic sort of like in-betweener position. He averages 11.5 points, 7.5 rebounds. He's the type of guy that if he was on my team, I would love. Um, but he's not, Hall. so I don't like him. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, he's just not as good a shooter as Malik Hall. No, yeah, he's just Malik. tough as hell. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I have a hard time taking Indiana seriously just because of it's Indiana. I mean, they, you know, they've lost games. They lost. I mean, I just look at who they've lost to this year, and it's sort of pathetic. I mean, they lost at Syracuse. He gave up 112 points to Syracuse this year. That's I mean, that's horrible. They lost on the road to Penn State this year. Hey, they lost. Here's what? The, until further notice, they kind of own us. So yeah, fine. Okay, have fun. Like you want to talk about meaningless victories? Congratulations, dude. You beat us. What? Like that's cool for you. How have the rest of your season's gone? I'd also. When was, the last, when was the last time Indiana was relevant? I'd also say they need to like beat Northwestern first for me to get truly worked up. Like I'm not 100% sure Dude, that's gonna... they can't do anything for me to get worked up. I'm not po- it's not possible for well, me to get worked up. And here's, Look, and here's this world. team is so bad. Like how, last year they, are... they should be embarrassed. I'm just looking have... at the way that they ended their schedule last year. They ended the season on a 1 2 3 4 5 6 game losing streak, including two losses to Rutgers and two losses to a terrible Michigan State team. I'm out. It took them double overtime to beat Northwestern last year. Like, this team is freaking garbage, man. They went 12 and 15. You're Indiana. Like, have some pride, right? Oh, like, that's even right. in our, this is a good contextual moment, John. I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> this is, this is why I shouldn't be mad. I love it. Because it could, because it could be that. It could be that. They, what, here, here's a fun game. When's the last year? When's the last year you think Indiana finished with an over 500 record in the Big Ten? <laughs> when was Tommy there last? Tommy? No, C- seriously. What year? Two. I want you to tell me the year. 2014. 2015. 2015. It's 20. It, for those who don't have a calendar in front of them, it's 2022. This is Indiana. I'm supposed to take you seriously, and you can't. You can't even go over 500 in your own conference. Remember who was their point guard back then? Yogi Ferrell. Yogi. 
Yogi Ferrell. That's a person that most people that are listening to this podcast don't know was a person. Mm. Like that's 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 yeah. Oh oh God, I like I Indiana. It's like congratulations, guys. You beat Michigan State. Like that's fun for you. Tell me, tell me the next time I should care that you're playing in basketball. That means anything. We literally Michigan State kept Archie employed. I'll be honest, he did. Michigan State kept Archie employed. He was the one, he 100%. Right? And so I can't – I already told you the story why Trace Jackson Davis came back. I, already t- I, I, I said it, I think, this summer. The reason he Go came – he was gone. Gone. As he should have been, by the way. Yeah. And Mike, Mike Woodson came in and had a, had a meeting with uh, Trace and his dad. And Mike came prepared because Mike, by the way, looked at this roster and was like, we are trash. He also didn't have anything else going on. So, well, that's why he was there. And, and so, and he came in and said, Trace, here is, you know, he did a cut up his entire season and told him all the things that he was like, basically bad. Something that Archie (laughs) Miller never did, by the way, never tried to improve him, which was one of the reasons he was as good as gone to the NBA. Trace, Trace's dad came into Archie's, or excuse me, Mike Woodson's office and was like, oh, we're coming back next year because you've highlighted a lot of reasons why my son won't succeed in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, like, good on Mike. He was an NBA coach. Like, he, you know, we, we dog him, but like, the guy knows what he's doing. Like, sure. It, 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 especially when you're trying to develop NBA talent and you're like, um, yeah, maybe he's not. Uh, he doesn't do X, Y, or Z. And so Trace Jackson Davis, for what it's worth, is having a great season. You know, yeah. he's having a really nice season. But you got to have more than him uh, right. to, 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 to be an adult program. And I think the thing that kills me about Indiana is we're just dogging them now because we've, we've turned a corner. That's fun. They have five stars on their, you know, the butt of their shorts, which, first of all, if you're going to put the five stars that represent the five national championships, why are you putting it on your butt? That's a weird place to put it. And like, also you're repping a thing that none of you were alive for. Yeah. Some of your assistant coaches weren't alive for. I mean, dude, they're, they're, that is the definition of living in the past. And we give Michigan a hard time, but like, I re- at least I remember Michigan. Like I'm old and I remember Michigan being that good. What? I don't remember. I haven't, I'm supposed to remember like Tom Coverdale. Like, what am I supposed to get excited about? Like, I'm supposed to Dane. Fife, the only reason I remember who Dane Fife is is because he coached at Michigan State. Yeah. All the, uh, Michigan State is is honestly sort of like I don't even know the best term to use. Without Michigan State, you don't have Tom Crean, who's the only thing that's made you relevant in the last 20 years. And without Michigan State, you don't have your only marquee wins of the last 20 years. Like, that's it. Like, that's what you have is your victories over us. And that's fine. That's fun for you. Their other but, win Their other win is against Kentucky, that one buzzer beater. Yeah, which was and, awesome. But guess who the head coach was? Tom Crane. And you know what else they do? They treat that game like Texas football treats their win over USC. It was yeah. so long ago. You need to grow up. Like, respect yourself enough to stop celebrating things that happened in 2015. No, it's just, like, it was fun. It was cool. You did a like, cool thing. Grow up. Like, we, yeah. like, most programs do cool things every year. Yeah, and, right. 
I don't know. He, 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 like the, the biggest, here's, here's one for you. Besides that, the biggest Indiana highlight I can remember is Victor Oladipo missing a dunk against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where I thought he was going to do the most acrobatic thing that like, had he finished that, I wouldn't be saying any of these things because it would have been the, the single coolest basketball highlight of all awesome. time. But think he about didn't. what you just said. You didn't even realize you said it. Think about what you said. An Indiana player didn't convert a thing was the coolest thing you could remember. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean. It's like, oh, John. When okay, I turn the corner, I, I, should we oh. turn the corner here? And, and have some takeaways from this game because I want to get back on quickly on track for Michigan State, mm-hmm. if, if you don't mind. It, no, please. In the last five games, four or five were on the road. Okay, four or five. We talked about it. Yep. They went three and two. They beat their rival. Beat a beat a quad two Michigan team, which you should have done. Great. The which is fine. But the problem is. Like we talked about last week, if you don't beat Maryland and Rutgers, you're unserious. Unfortunately, yeah. right now, until further notice, Michigan State's basketball team is unserious. That's correct. It brings us no pleasure to, say, like to say this, but at this point, I mean, really, you can't look at Michigan State and take them like you can't take them seriously right now. Now that can change. I think that's a really important point here. But in order for that to change, it's got to be. It's got to be two wins this week. It's got to be two wins this week. There's there's no other way around it. You have to be a mid Wisconsin, like a above average, I suppose, they're, they're Wisconsin fine. team. They're fine. Yeah, but you you have to win. I think you have to win your next three games for me to get to a point where I'm ready to consider taking them seriously again. And then you host Illinois. And then if you can win your next four, then I'm taking you seriously because you're peaking as you're getting into the end of February, which is what they typically do. So you yeah. Know, we're gonna, but it's got to start now. It can't. It can't. It can't. You can't compound a twenty-one point road loss to Rutgers with a loss at home to a team you outclassed not that long ago. The good news is you 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 think it's a win or a loss. It doesn't matter how bad or how good it was, right? Lose it twenty at Rutgers, it's still one loss. Doesn't yeah. matter, right? So there's that, and then you take it the next step. Wisconsin's going to get Tyler Wall back. He's good. He's fine. Use the ism. Like, if you're at the game, turn it up. Win this game. And then if they, you know, do do the thing, beat a good Wisconsin team, who will be a four seed, by the way, and be annoying as hell in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to play Indiana, who will make the NCAA tournament and be annoying as hell to some two seed in the the 7-10 game. Like, they're fine. Win those games if you want us to take you seriously because they're home games. And then we get to have a conversation about the teams we don't want to play. And, and, you know, you and I are compiling a list, but it's not even worth going through if if they don't win these two games. Yep. So, I agree. That's where Couldn't we're Couldn't agree at. more. So oh. you got to – if you want to be off the unserious bubble – <laughs> you got you got to do some winning here, fellas. And I think you know, I can watch these games emotion emotionless, and it'll be, just be great. Um, all right, John. Hey, that was that was fun. We got to, we had some good good trashing of uh, Indiana, which always always makes for a fun podcast. So I'm, I'm glad we we're able to do that. Maybe this is us now. This is who we yeah, are. I think it is. 
we turned a corner. We're we are just old and just ready. We're done with the oh, beats. Old and petty, baby. That's that's how I plan to live the rest of my life. Um all right. Well, guys, as always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.